Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. In the omnibus package that Congress passed and President signed last month, the Medicare waivers on telehealth have been extended through to the end of 2024. That means that the industry has another two years to experiment with this thing called telehealth. Experiment in terms of access, reimbursement, utilization, technology, a lot of questions still out there with telehealth. Where to go for answers? How about we talk to Matt McBride, CEO and co-founder of MEND, a patient engagement and telehealth platform designed to help healthcare organizations scale their practice and care for more patients. Hello, and welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Halbright. I'm Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous' mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for WEDI, that's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the HIT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And like I said, we are excited to have Matt McBride, CEO and co-founder of MEN. Matt, welcome. Uh, very glad to have you uh, here on The Collective Voice. Uh, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> very good. So, Matt, um, as we ask other guests on this show, t- tell us a little bit about your origin story. Um, how did you come into healthcare or into telehealth? Uh, what's your background? Yeah, um, well, you know, I've definitely always had an interest in uh, technology and, and uh, you know, business and how those uh, blend together um, and uh, definitely have had a passion for software for really the, the majority of, of my career. And um, uh, I had actually uh, founded, uh, sort of co-founded and built uh, an ed tech company um, that was in the uh, tax education space. Um, and uh, that was around the time when Obamacare was starting to be formed. And, um, you know, there, at first there were going to be incentives to uh, get health insurance if you weren't insured, and then there were going to be penalties. And so that whole industry was thinking, well, if if I prepare your, your tax returns, am, am I then maybe going to sell you health insurance because the penalty may now be uh, outweigh, um, you know, the 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 uh, cost of of getting health insurance. And so, what some uh, groups uh, started to look at is they they started to sell telemedicine packages um, as sort of a primer to you know could could they could they could their people sell you know could tax preparers could could people actually sell. Um, some sort of uh, a healthcare related uh, product. And so um, that got us introduced, you know, I kind of got introduced to that idea, started trying it, using it myself. Um, and, uh, you know, had some other experience in, in healthcare and, and sort of eventually I was able to uh, sell that company and kind of reached its peak. And I really wanted to do something in, in my friends uh, and I, you know, had exits and we really wanted to do something meaningful and something impactful in in healthcare. And so I think, you know, where we were sort of fascinated in the beginning was how do we change the experience uh, for or between a healthcare organization and a patient? You know, how can we make that experience more frictionless? 
How can we make that experience more convenient, just like every other industry uh, was doing? And so, you know, my friends and I, we all had healthcare backgrounds. We had all um, had some success. So we were able to, you know, put uh, a substantial amount of money together to fund the company uh, initially and over the years. And really the goal was to, um, you know, really try to change the, the experience and, and, and just make it more convenient. The, the interactions uh, for a, a patient and, and a healthcare provider, really just trying to make that more convenient for everybody. Very good. Very good. So now tell us about the uh, company that sounds like you and your friends co-founded and you're the CEO, Mend. Yeah. Um, and so basically what we've built um, and just kind of keeping in mind, there was this sort of initial intrigue with telemedicine. What, what we built um, is a complete patient engagement platform um, with hybrid care at its core. So our, our thought process back in you know, 2015, 2016 was, you know, this telemedicine thing is going to be important. Like, it, you know, this it's going to be a thing in our lifetime. You saw but, it coming, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we figured, you know, look, there's still there's still lots of reasons why you physically know, need to go into a center, a doctor's office, what have you. Um, uh, but uh, we started working with a lot of early adopters who were beginning to offer telemedicine, but had in-person appointments as well. And what we quickly realized is that there's, you really need to do replicate every workflow, you know, every rep, every workflow that happens when you go into a doctor's office, if you are going to have a successful encounter virtually, you need to replicate all of those same workflows. So our platform can handle uh, anything from a scheduling perspective, whether the patient wants to book their own appointment, make changes, forms, consents, anything uh, along those lines, uh, being able to sort of check in, confirm the appointment, getting reminders of the appointment, making a payment or putting some sort of payment information or your health insurance, collecting all of that, getting that on file. And then anything that might need to happen after the visit as well. We might want to send you post-visit follow-up for uh, a satisfaction survey, or we might need to collect a final payment. Um, so, We've really created a lot of different uh, workflows to handle touch points with patients when they are not physically uh, uh, at uh, a healthcare location. Uh, that's that's interesting, right? Because I, I think most people's idea of telehealth is pick up the phone and and get a doctor on call, right? But you're describing a ecosystem uh, that 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 uh, replicates, as you say, the the work patterns of the. Um, of the actual in-person uh, encounters. So I'm actually interested. Um, what has the last three years brought to your company? What, what have been the changes? It seems like suddenly the world opened up and everything was an experiment in figuring out how to best do this. Yeah. And, and I mean, when the, uh, you know, pandemic uh, first really started to set in and I think the government came out and said, you know, telemedicine is going to be, you know, a, a main pillar here. Um, you know, a lot of organizations started to reach out for different platforms. And, and uh, so our growth was just absolutely uh, exponential and it's, it's leveled off a, a, a bit. Um, but, you know, one of the things that the government did is they also said, you know, 
you can make a phone call or you can use something that's not secure as well. If you want to use WhatsApp, if you want to use FaceTime. And so until the uh, public health emergency uh, concludes, you know, those waivers still exist and may even exist in uh, the new uh, omnibus package uh, that you mentioned in, in, the, in the introduction, we're, we're still sort of digging uh, into that. So it's, it's sort of the wild, wild west right now. Really, anything can, can be used, um, even, you know, tools that don't protect a, a patient's private health information. So I think, you know, right now, um, uh, you know, we've seen a, a ton of growth and it's been really good for our business. And we still see groups that I think are forward looking and, and seeing, well, we're going to have to have, you know, some sort of a secure uh, platform in, in place for our organization. So we're working with a lot of the organizations that I think are, are really uh, are taking this seriously for the long term. Um, but we, you know, we do have to kind of battle the fact that, um, you know, technically you could use anything right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. But again, it can change very quickly. Right. And like you said, the omnibus might not protect that. I do, I wasn't even uh, thinking in terms of whether it protects that, that free access. Right. Um, one of your, one of your taglines in uh, for your company mend is that um, telehealth can help providers treat more patients. So untangle that a little bit for me, because it seems like that kind of says a lot about, you know, I know providers are somewhat worried about reimbursement for telehealth and health plans and Congress. Everybody's worried about what that reimbursement is going to be. What do you mean by um, it can help providers treat more patients? And what does that mean to the the average provider? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I think it's actually pretty significant. So um, before the pandemic, I think a lot of early adopters of telehealth uh, were looking to introduce that convenience um, in exchange for better show rates, right? That was, that was sort of the main problem we would see. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely skewed towards behavioral health and, and behavioral health has higher no-show rates in general. Um, you know, their, their average no-show rate uh, as an example, might be 30 plus percent if you were doing everything in person or maybe a primary care, maybe it would be 19 percent as an example. Um, a good uh, sort of industry average, U.S. average no-show rate, you know, is probably somewhere in that 20 to 23 percent range. So you're talking one in four almost, you know, one in five, one in four appointments you put on your schedule every day might not happen. I mean, that's significant. And there are not a lot of other businesses that have to operate with that um, uh, sort of uh, risk on their schedule. And so um, compared to telehealth, I mean, our average no-show rate across the entire platform for all of 2022 was 7.4%. Is that right? So, yeah. So, and, and there's actually been studies done. It's actually, there's been studies published. People have have studied the no-show rate for a telemedicine visit versus an in-person visit. And we've seen similar results where studies have come back around seven and a half, eight, eight percent. So, you know, if you're, if you're primary care and you could move, uh, you know, I think, I think the way to approach it, right, is, um, 
you know, a new patient appointment, sometimes new patient appointments can have high no-show rates, right? But maybe you don't feel comfortable doing a new patient virtually to, to start with. But, you know, follow-up visits can have high no-show rates. And uh, other types of visits can, can really have high no-show rates. I think, how can you safely cr- create a clinical protocol and move uh, those visits, uh, introduce a little bit of convenience with telehealth, and, uh, you know, sort of dramatically drop, maybe you've got appointment types that have a 35% no-show rate, right? Move those to telehealth and you're going to significantly uh, help more people. Those are, those are actually fascinating numbers. It's almost counterintuitive to me because I would think that people, you know, with busy schedules and things like that, you know, that they're not planning on having to make that 15, 20 minute commute to their physician office, that they blow off the telephone call or forget it more often than they would an actual appointment, but it's completely opposite of that. So, so that tagline then makes perfect sense because it's not necessarily that you're moving more patients than the provider would otherwise have if they had a hundred percent show rate, right? It's the same schedule almost. It's just that more people are showing up. That's fascinating. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Um, so certainly we've seen, and, and I think that's a great example of it too, uh, much more access to care with um, telehealth, um, just the idea of picking up the phone or getting on the on on, the, on a computer as opposed to making that commute, and and certainly there's transportation problems out there, um, but they do find the stats have been that um, telehealth is more likely to be used by young, middle-aged, female, white, um, higher econ- social economic class, living uh, urban settings. Um, what do you think can be done to increase telehealth among underrepresented uh, represented populations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's been a lot of studies uh, as well over the course of pandemic that have shown that uh, in terms of uh, health equity, health equality, um, uh, hitting, uh, you know, being able to provide care to underserved populations, that, that there's definitely been um, a lot of positive signs there. So I think you know, the demographic you're, you're talking about is, is it, it, you know, sounds to me like the demographic that's just always on top of healthcare, right? And that, that uh, uh, you know, that young mom is booking everybody's appointments and making sure everybody goes to their appointment. Um, for, for everybody else, uh, I think there's definitely been uh, value, whether it be rural populations, you know, homeless populations, a, a poor, uh, maybe, um, uh, you know, having to deal with with race or, or, or any of those, I think, uh, you know, in terms of health uh, uh, equality, there's definitely been improvements. We've, we've seen that since the beginning, because we've had organizations that, you know, are, are almost 100% Medicaid, and have seen very good uh, results with with telehealth, especially reducing uh, no show rates. Um, we, you know, we have customers that support a lot of uh, foster children, um, or you know, people in shelters or rural populations. We have customers that that serve the, the homeless, um, customers that serve the, the elderly. I think what what we've seen time and time again is that when you think there's a a population that doesn't have access to the technology, they you. You 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 try it. You get somebody who's willing to to go in and try to bring a solution to that population, and it turns out that they do have the technology. The homeless do have cell phones. 
um, you know, uh, so do uh, all of these other types of, of groups that, that we've talked about. And so um, I think, you know, before the pandemic, it was really starting to make a difference in those groups. And I think it's been studied now and, and, and actually been shown that, um, yeah, there's good adoption from uh, all different uh, uh, you know, types of, of groups and, and people in our society. Very good. Uh, and I'm probably going to ask you the same kind of question from a different side. Um, telehealth is still remote. Uh, you still have a segment of the population, probably older generation, certainly, that thinks that, you know, uh, the doctor won't know enough unless they, you know, poke and prod them for a few minutes. Um, um, is there anything that technology can do? Is there anything that we can see coming up in technology or even in the process itself, which will make that segment of the population or even my kids who are used to a, a digital world, except they see it in 3D because they're in VR, right? Like, is there anything coming down the road in technology that can bring us closer, bring the patient closer to the doctor? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, there's sort of two uh, ways to think about tele, telemedicine, maybe like one is maybe it's sort of an urgent care type need and it's somebody you've never met before. And then the other is what about your doctor? Right. And like your doctor probably offered telemedicine finally and maybe still does. And they they don't necessarily need to poke and, and prod you every time because they they know uh, who you are. Maybe they're managing a, a chronic condition that you have or something, something like that. So I think, you know, you have those different cases. I think some, um, uh, you know, one one big one that we're keeping our eye on is um, uh, web vitals, uh, you know, AI helping to capture vitals through a web camera. So being able to get everything from your blood pressure, heart rate, all kinds of different uh, vitals. And so we haven't seen anything FDA approved yet, but have definitely seen some technology working. And of course, webcams are very ubiquitous. You don't have to have, you know, a hundred dollar device to, to kind of capture a lot of what the doctor might need. So I think there's that. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of potential for language barriers uh, out there, right? And so I think uh, AI, again, can play uh, a significant role in uh, maybe even real-time translation between uh, a provider uh, and a patient, or uh, maybe even real-time uh, sign language translation um, or, or captioning, you know, just kind of de maybe dependent on other types of of disabilities. Um, but really, I think the, you know, the ultimate benefit is that, that access to care, that convenience. Um, uh, and, and I think introducing that and keeping, you know, making it a little bit easier, having the experience be a little bit better, making it more convenient for somebody to stay engaged in their care is really the, the, the main benefit. But I, I think there is a, a, a very big role for AI and some, some of these other innovations to play that um, you know, we'll likely see in the upcoming years. Yeah, and actually, you're touching on remote medical devices too, right? Which, which I think CMS has kind of gotten ahead, even the rest of industry, and in, in kind of approving those for uh, reimbursement and things. Is, is are those worlds going to come together? Is telehealth and I mean, is this a two year plan or a ten year plan where we're going to see those remote devices where my doctor is going to know my blood pressure before I even get on the telephone, not the telephone, the, the video with them because. He's 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 been reading me real time all week, right? Is that is that a reality, or are we still Star Trek? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely gaining in popularity, and I think 
the reimbursement framework exists to um, allow it to happen. Um, but I, I still think, you know, the, the margins look a little, look a little thin, right. And you, if you want to maintain constant connection to a piece of technology, you want that to be really easy and effortless for a patient. I mean, imagine an elderly patient that's got, you know, a box and this Bluetooth equipment, and then it's got to be sending stuff up to the internet. I think, you know, has this stuff uh, all really been made um, and, and sort of simplified uh, as, as much as possible. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I, I do. I like the idea of, you know, maybe you already have a wearable and you can get the information from that or, you know, a webcam, if a webcam can just sort of capture vitals. I mean, there's, I feel like every room you walk into now, there's more cameras than there are people. So, you know, it seems like there's, there's opportunities to, to capture uh, data, but there, there's definitely, I think we'll definitely see more remote patient monitoring, definitely in the, in the higher risk populations, um, the, the more chronically ill, we're, we're absolutely going to see it. But I think they're, they're, you know, the reimbursement is there to, um, you know, have a lot more people monitored remotely for sure. Very good. So um, let me ask you, what, what's the most exciting thing that you think Mend and yourself are working on? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, uh, we're definitely uh, looking at AI. I think, you know, AI is going to play a, a significant role. So we're definitely looking at that. Um and I think, you know, we're also really fascinated with, with two-way messaging and with the thought of what asynchronous can look like in the future for telemedicine. You know, we're very much still stuck in this idea that, um, uh, you know, healthcare can only happen synchronously, right? We have to be, you know, we have to have a scheduled appointment and, uh, you know, we have to meet with the doctor at, 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 a, at a time or, or like, you know, we have to actually, you know, be together at the same time, whether that's over the phone, video, in person. But how do we communicate in every other industry? <laughs> it's email, it's text, it's direct messages. It's um, a lot of it is asynchronous, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we're taking a, a, a real a close look at, you know, what is asynchronous going to look like, especially as value-based care evolves. I think value-based care is going to open the door significantly for more uh, innovation in uh, healthcare. But, you know, we did see that Cleveland Clinic came out and said they're going to start charging for messages. You know, they're going to bill insurance yeah. for for messages. And some of those reimbursement frameworks, we're, we're starting to see there's a couple states that that support them. So I think, you know, asynchronous is going to be um, maybe the next level of, of convenience where you need to have these, these sort of check-ins with staff or, or providers or, or your doctor, right? I mean, imagine like if you've got pictures and you've got vitals and you've got, you know, sort of all of the information that the doctor would need to make an assessment, just like if you get an x-ray, right? You get an x-ray, that x-ray goes, goes off to some remote doctor who just looks at the picture and, you know, makes it, makes a determination and sends it back. I think we'll, I think that's going to be a big part of healthcare in the future and something that we're taking a close look at.
That's actually fascinating because one of, one of the questions that comes up on this program quite often is like, are Americans, because of our culture and our relationship with uh, healthcare, are we really going to become this consumer centric, take responsibility for our health, right? All of our EHRs, electronic health records, we're going to have access to, we got the Fitbits on, we got, you know, we got everything. We got to know all the pricing now for how much uh, every little um, uh, event costs, but are we really going to stand up and do something more than once a year when we go to our physical, right? Which is what most of us do. So I think you're touching on that, that idea that, that, that healthcare is a is a daily, weekly kind of thing. That doesn't mean you have to see your doctor every week, right? Uh, that it's a it's a continuation of care and uh, and and not just you know one something you do once a year and make sure you meet the test. Well, and and just to kind of bring this full circle from one of the questions you asked, right? We kind of started with the problem of a no show. Well, if you move to asynchronous, guess what? There's no no shows, right? right. So. You know, I think there's I think there's a huge uh, benefit to uh, healthcare organizations as well. Now, will will reimbursement ever allow for it to happen? You know, uh, it took a pandemic for us to get telemedicine. <laughs> um, yeah, right. right. Uh, so, you know, who who knows what what sort of monumental disaster would have to happen <laughs> next for the for the government to be able to uh, adopt innovation in, in, in healthcare, at least the way we receive our healthcare. But um, I do think that's a really interesting uh, piece to all this is not, not only would it be con- convenient for uh, both sides, but um, you know, if you don't have a scheduled appointment anymore, your no-shows go to zero. Right. Absolutely. And if you can get the reimbursement figured out, I think you're your uh, avenue of value-based health. That might be the window to, that you go through, right? That's fascinating. Yep. So yep. Matt, uh, great talking to you. Any uh, last words, anything we missed? Um, well, we, um, uh, uh, you know, our, our company is Mend. Our website is is just as simple, mend.com, M-E-N-D.com. And uh, we've got um, a resource section on the website. There's lots of great uh, ebooks and we have webinars of whether we've uh, already done them and they're on demand. We, we share a lot of our data. So I know we talked about our average no-show rate of uh, 7.4%. We have a webinar coming up and we'll have an ebook where we're going to share a lot more data on telehealth, wait time. So we share a lot of data, a lot of benchmarks, a lot of other, I think, high value information. If anybody wants to check us out at men.com in uh, the resources section. Terrific. Thank you. We'll check it out. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah, likewise. It's been awesome. All right. It's been a great discussion with Matt McBride, CEO and co-founder of MEND, M-E-N-D. And this has been the collective voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. You can find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.